Hey, y'all. I'm Ashley. And I'm Ash. And I hope you brought your coleslaw and your taters because we're serving up part two of Kentucky Fried Tales. Right now on Hex Girlfriends. So, Ash, I was visiting my mama a couple of weeks ago, and they built on an addition to their home, right? With the addition, they built on to their closet space. So, you've got one walk-in closet that leads into another room that is a laundry room with your washer and dryer. That room leads into another closet of a guest bedroom. So, essentially, you have three rooms that have no windows, and that are pitch black. It makes me think of one of those backroom videos. Like, you don't know where you're coming out at. Exactly. So I'm in the guest room, staying in my mama's house. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to shoot in through my closet, the laundry room, her walk-in closet, to her bathroom. I'm going to put a towel in there. Well, their doors are super wide and super heavy, and they, they end up closing on their own. So I'm like, I'm just going to make a run for it. And I tried to turn the lights on, but it didn't work out. I made a run for it. The doors are closing behind me. And I end up being in mama's walk-in closet, totally alone, in the pitch black. And I cannot find the doorknob for this closet door. I mean, the only people in the house are my daughter, who is nine, and my brother, who is 17. I just start kicking and punching this fucking closet door in the dark. <laughs> oh, shit. Because I'm like, this is it. This is how I'm going out. <laughs> well, I hear footsteps running. So I know Noah's running down this hallway. And he busts through one of the doors trying to find me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, help. Oh, my God. I'm dying. <laughs> bless his little heart he was scared shitless i was scared shitless and he led me out and that was the day that my brother saved my life (laughs) we're gonna tell kentucky fried tales part two tonight i know there have been some that have been waiting for our part two of kentucky fried tales and here we are we did find some that are gonna be pretty entertaining all right so i think i'm gonna go first There's a theme that at least I'm looking for, for spooky season, and that's the season of the witch. Love that. Yes. I love witches. I love hearing stories about witches and anything witchy. Give it to me. So this is going to be Louisville's witch's tree. Mm, Can't wait to hear the history behind this one. So there's a historic section of downtown Louisville that's referred to as Old Louisville. A lot of the homes here are big, old Victorian homes. Incredibly beautiful. Almost like mansions. They're so huge. Oh, yeah. What's also cool about Old Louisville is that at the corner of South 6th Street and Park Avenue stands a gnarled, decorated tree known as the Witch's Tree. Described by Atlas Obscura as a tree so knotted, tortured and misshapen that it could easily serve as a portal to the underworld in a tim burton film i almost had a tim burton wedding that sounds fun what a great way to describe it because you're thinking immediately 
Nightmare Before Christmas, all the doors. Is this how I find Mr. Oogie Boogie and his gaggle of children? (laughs) (laughs) According to legend, a majestic large maple tree served as a gathering place for local witches and voodoo practitioners to perform ceremonies in the 1800s. Though the witches' ceremonies seemed harmless, this would all change in 1889 a festival planning committee took an interest in the tree and they decided that they were going to use it for their annual may day celebration when the witches caught word of their interest they were big time mad oh i bet they warned the city like don't y'all dare chop that down y'all are gonna regret it you know but the committee did not heed their warning and they chopped that tree down and they went ahead and used it for their celebration anyway these witches were mad as hell and i would be too if somebody chopped down too. You know, like I mean, we tried to warn you like damn we did and you know what else that was my favorite magical gathering place you assholes <laughs> right so witches be witching and they cast a big fat curse on louisville summoning a storm demon oh shit <laughs> a storm <laughs> demon that's right they we're gonna s- get one of those you know what i asked the same question like how does one summon a storm demon is it like the rain dance that jonathan taylor thomas does in man, of the, man house? of the house yeah <laughs> <laughs> because that's what i'm picturing <laughs> is some like power jams the 90s <laughs> yeah. almost a year to the day after the tree was cut down a massive storm blew in and a tornado ripped through louisville the tornado was so intense that it destroyed mansions schools a bourbon and tobacco warehouse churches the railroad station and it left well over 100 people dead including members of that festival planning committee who did not listen as the tornado zipped out of town a bolt of lightning hit the stump of the old witch's tree i've got two family members that were struck by lightning (laughs) every time (laughs) we're gonna have to tell the fucking story now you know that right just like interjecting that in all the episodes (laughs) the stump of the tree was hit by lightning and then soon after that a new tree began to grow from the stump but it wasn't a beautiful majestic maple tree instead it was a gnarled mangled tim burton-esque type of tree it's cool as shit though if y'all look at the pictures it's a very wicked looking tree and i love it it's still there today you can go out there and google louisville witches tree and you will see exactly what we're talking about a food writer and now ghost tour guide by the name of david domine wrote a memoir titled voodoo days at la casa fabulosa he could be my spirit animal (laughs) (laughs) i want to know this person (laughs) i know and i want to i want to read this book too yes So he moved into one of the three-story Victorian homes and didn't realize that he would be living in such an enchanted neighborhood. The book details the neighborhood's gargoyles, gas lamps, hidden courtyards, towers, and turrets that bring just a really enchanting aesthetic to the neighborhood. And the book also brings special attention to the witch's tree. So when he wrote this book, you know, it really helped like popularize the witch's tree and would bring a lot of people in to look at it. So True or not, it's custom to visit the tree and leave tokens and gifts as offerings for good luck so that the witches know the tree is safe. And Susan Shearer, who's also a historic tour guide for Louisville, she expressed that the visitors' charms that they bring can be anything. Amulets, old horseshoes. Wow. Skeleton keys. I love Um, that. I think that's very cool. Candles and get this, crucifixes. 
Mm. This one has me confused. Yeah. Does that hurt the tree at all? I I don't <laughs> think the witches want Christ in that tree. <laughs> uh, that one has me confused. But the most common of decorations, colorful Mardi Gras titty beads. I'm all about that. I have been there. I have been <laughs> the one to throw people bees. <laughs> They say that the higher up in the branches that you throw the beads, the better luck you'll have. What's even more interesting, this tree has its own Facebook page. <laughs> Swear to God. Stop it. <laughs> Can this... you poke the tree? Oh my God. I used to get, <laughs> I'd be like, why the fuck is this person from high school poking me? <laughs> if you add the tree as a friend, mm-hmm. who, who accepts it? I think it's like a business page. <laughs> So it's, you can only like it. I don't know who runs it, but I'm going to share some some fun <laughs> information with you about the Facebook page. So it's called, I believe it's the Witch's Tree is the name of the Facebook page. It might be the Louisville Witch's Tree. But this page is where they thank people for the good luck gifts with a good luck spell. And curses appear for those who steal from the tree. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. And as recent as September 3rd, and today is September 16th. I don't know when this episode will come out. So this year? This year. Okay, Sept- what happened? September 3rd. <laughs> Do you know how you can post like, Ash is feeling delightful at ABC Food Kitchen? Yes. Or something like that? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, the witch's tree posted, feeling angry in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, shit. So let me just read you this little post from September 3rd. For she, the bloated blackguard, what hath purloined our offerings. Basically, that's saying to the bitch that stole our shit. Hexed you are once, cursed ye be thrice, for stealing alms is never nice. Oh, shit. Someone stole something from the tree. Mm hmm. Whate'er you take, what all ye pinch, shall return diem inch by inch, till our limbs soon groan neath the weight. From scores of gifts shown love, not hate. For we are many, ye are few. We always come back, no matter what ye do. The witches have spoken. Who the <laughs> fuck wrote that? You know how many times I had to read that to make sense of it? So basically, you took from us, and we're going to curse you three times fold. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's not good for you, whoever you are. Because now there's internet, and curses can be sent via email. <laughs> so we're, right. no one's safe. So whoever stole from the witch's tree, y'all in trouble. But that is the Louisville Witch's Tree. And I think next time that I'm downtown, I might take a little detour, because I'm really interested to drive by and see what is hanging in that tree. All right, so my Kentucky Fried Tale is about the Great Kentucky Meat Shower. Ew! <laughs> I I've heard of this. I have I, never heard of this. Okay, uh, let's hear it. I'm excited that you at least have an inkling of what I'm about to talk to you I about. Sadly, do. <laughs> On Friday, March 3rd of 1876, between 11 a.m. and noon, a strange and bizarre phenomenon occurred over Olympia Springs, Kentucky. Whereabouts is that? Do you know? Frankfurt? Bath County. Where the fuck is that? So it is like northern eastern Kentucky. Okay. So it's like on the edge of Appalachia. Oh. (laughs) Mrs. Crouch, who was outside minding her own business decided she was going to make some soap that day when all of a sudden large chunks of meat started falling from the sky (laughs) it's raining meat girl not men meat it's raining meat hallelujah 
A New York Times article. Good news travels fast, apparently. It, listen, it's a big deal when there's meat falling from the sky. Fucking 1876. I mean, it got there quick. You know, so it was published the next week describing oh the event. Yes. Wow. It said the meat, which looked like beef, fell Ew. all around Mrs. Crouch, and the sky was perfectly clear at the time. What? She claimed that it fell like large snowflakes, Ew. <laughs> like meat snowflakes. That's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> I guessed at the Crouch residence, who was known as Mr. Harrison Gill, visited them the day after the insane event. He stated that the meat was sticking out of fences on the property and also scattered all across the ground. How big were the pieces of meat, you ask? Yeah, I want to know. <laughs> I was reading your mind. Well, one of the chunks measured 10 centimeters squared, but the majority of the pieces were around five by five centimeters. When they fell, they were fresh pieces of meat. But by the time he measured them, they were spoiled and dry, Ew. maybe even a little shriveled up. <laughs> there were also at least two men that wanted to further their meat research by taste testing the meat rain. So the men mm -hmm. that ate this fucking meat, they described it as having the flavor of venison or mutton. Even though that's how they described the taste, the exact type of meat was never identified. That I don't like. Various reports stated that it could have been beef, lamb, deer, bear, horse, or even human. Uh, I'm out. Ew. <laughs> They're fucking cannibals now, eating the meat rain. Yeah. The article describes these men as unidentified, and I can see why. If I was that dumb to eat meat <laughs> rain, I would not want anyone to know my identity either. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I'd be like, what? Bill down the street ate the meat rain? You crazy old son of a bitch. <laughs> it's just like one of those silhouettes, you know, when they're telling their story. It tasted like venison, though. Yeah, it tastes like chicken. So <laughs> How far did this disgusting bullshit reach? Apparently, the meat rain reached a 100 by 50 yard area, so roughly the size of a football field, and it lasted for several minutes. Oh. Not seconds, minutes. So I'm sure all of y'all are wondering, what the fuck is even that? Let's get into some explanations. <laughs> the first explanation came three months after the event by a man named Leopold Brandis. Does he have any scientific credentials? Not that well, I can see. Nope. So let's take it with a grain of salt, shall we? Mm -hmm, always <laughs> on this podcast. He received a sample of the meat that had been preserved in glycerin. He claims that the meat wasn't actually even meat at all. He said that the Kentucky Wonder is no more or less than Nostock. Nostock, also known as Star Jelly, Trolls Butter, oh. Spit of Moon, Fallen Star, Witch's Butter and or Witch's Jelly is the most common genus of cyanobacteria that is basically a gelatinous sheath found in both aquatic and terrestrial environments. Oh, my God. And these dumbasses just picked it up off the ground and said, let's have a snack. So let me just tell you what it could have been, too. Oh, God. So the uh, cyanobacteria I was telling you all about, you can find it in the soil on moist rocks and bottoms of lakes and springs. If you Google image Nostock, it looks green, squishy. Basically, I hate it. It's fucking earth boogers. Ew, earth boogers. 
Ew. Oh, this man, Brandis here. He wasn't completely useless, okay? Because he actually <laughs> gave samples to an experienced histologist and the president of the Newark Scientific Association, Dr. A. Meat Edwards. I'm sorry, did you say A. Meat Edwards? <laughs> <laughs> Mead with a D. Oh. <laughs> he, con- he concluded that it was most likely lung tissue of a human infant. Ew. Christ, from the sky? What the fuck? But another histologist, Dr. J.W.S. Arnold, studied the specimens and agreed that it was some kind of animal cartilage and or lung tissue. Keep in mind, there were two Kentuckians that taste tested this shit. Yeah, they sure did. I gotta go. Seven samples were examined by different scientists that pretty much concluded the same. Two samples were lung tissue. Three samples were muscular tissue. And the other two samples were cartilage. So how did these samples of tissue end up falling from the sky? The only logical reasoning came from Dr. L.D. Kastenbein, who believes it was literally a coordinated bout of projectile vulture vomit. For several minutes? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a whole lot of upchuck to cover a football field for several minutes. Yeah, like, I don't know anybody that can puke that long, let alone a fucking vulture. You ain't lying. And that's the part that blows my mind. That would take a shit ton of vultures. The uh, surface area that you're covering, that just doesn't make sense. I don't know if you did this, but when I was little and saw a vulture circling nearby, I would go out into the yard and play dead to see if it would swoop down and try to eat me. (laughs) I did not do that. (laughs) This is where we are different. Had that vomited on me, my soul would have left my body. I don't know about this theory. I guess it's logical, but that's a lot of vomit. There are two species of vultures in Kentucky, the black vulture and the turkey vulture. Both are known to projectile vomit their stomach contents as a defense mechanism or to make themselves lighter for flight. You know, it's it's just a lot. What scared them? Is it aliens? Right, it's aliens. You know, so they do the defense mechanism all, they're using. Thousands of vultures puked at once because aliens. So y'all email us and let us know <laughs> what you think the mystery meat could have been, or if it was God having some fun with the Kentuckians that day, just to see if those motherfuckers would eat it. <laughs> and they did. Oh my god! I know. I even found a children's book about it. Oh my it's god! Called the Meat Shower. Not to be confused with the popular cloudy with a chance of meatballs, which is fiction. This shit is for real. Yeah, (laughs) very different stories. The book is called Meat Shower by Mick Sullivan. It's on Amazon. Check it out if you want. And if you're at all interested in seeing an actual specimen saved from that day, you can visit the meat at Transylvania University. Field trip? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe because I am intrigued, but gross. They fucking ate that shit. They fucking ate it. I want to see what it looks like just to see what these assholes ate. It looks like chicken in a jar floating around in some glycerin. You know, we're always over here trying to be like, stop, you know, Kentucky ain't that bad. It's really great here. And then they go and do shit like this, or we have fucking meat rain. (laughs) It's like, well, no wonder the rest of the country thinks the way they do. (laughs) Because it's fucking weird here. I know, but man, that's what we got the stories. We got the Kentucky Fried Tales. You're goddamn right. (laughs) 
What is your next Kentucky tale? I can't get meat shower out of my mind. I need a sip of wine. Okay. This one is a little more on the fun side. I think this is almost more of like an unusual story for me to tell because of what it's about. I'm not a disbeliever, but I'm not a believer. Bigfoot showdown. Already, I'm a believer. (laughs) (laughs) Is it possible? Yeah, much like aliens are possible. Anything is possible. It's hearing the people tell these stories, though, that I can either feel if it's genuine or not. And there are some people that really truly believe they have seen some fucked up shit out there. So this story takes place in Red River Gorge, which is a very beautiful place. It's surrounded by vast, dense forests, rock slides. There's babbling streams, waterfalls. You know, Red River Gorge is is one of the most beautiful parks in Kentucky. One summer, the main character of the story, I'm going to tell you, his name is Rodney. Rodney would have one hell of an experience, one that would leave him vowing to search for the truth until the day he dies. I mean, he truly believes that whatever happened to him happened and he's going to fucking find it and prove it to the world. Go, Rodney, go. He's determined. So Rodney is actually from Louisville and he worked in contracting. So one summer he had a weekend where he had like a big job that he'd be wrapping up on a Friday. And then he had another job within close proximity starting the following Monday. So it didn't really make sense for him to drive all the way back to Louisville. And so rather than doing that, he decided to pack camping gear and spend the weekend at the gorge. Now, Rodney had some experience with camping and and hunting. So he brought with him all the necessary camping essentials, some pots, pans, a tent, sleeping bag, guitar, and a bottle of bourbon for the campfire. Heard some pot. So that's good. No, pots and pans. (laughs) (laughs) Pots and pans for cooking, not for baking. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) If you know, you know. It had been years since he'd hunted, so he didn't really bring any type of protection along, just a machete so he could like clear pathways. Rodney was excited and he was adamant that he only liked deep woods camping, you know, like the real remote kind that we generally stay away from. Right. Yeah, that's his jam. Even so, he liked the idea of being completely isolated, but he also didn't like the idea of being isolated alone. He was a little nervous and takes to the internet and posts on a forum for campers that he was looking for company during the long weekend. Uh, While camping? Yeah. Okay. Apparently there was a forum out there and you could say, hey, I'm going to the gorge. I'm going to be alone. Sounds to me like the plot of a horror film, but I am not Rodney. So I don't know what this man was thinking. He took to the internet and said, hey, this is where I'll be if you want to meet uh, M-E-E-T, not (laughs) M-E-A-T. Rodney loaded up his truck. He finished his Friday job and then he headed off to the gorge. And when he got there, it was about 6 p.m. And two other men also arrived because they had seen his request on the forum. He described these two men as being the business type, like lawyers or bankers. They ended up hitting it off regardless and they began their hike into the forest. They went so deep into the forest that he said you could really only see about 30 feet in front of you at any given angle. I have a hard time believing some businessmen, a.k.a. lawyers, are out there. Yeah, deep woods camping. I don't know. Once the group found like a perfect spot alongside of a pretty good-sized babbling creek, they began to set up camp. And Rodney put his tent up, and then the others worked on theirs. And while they were doing theirs, he headed down to the creek to 
rinse out his camping pants. He basically said like when you go camping before and after, especially after you use pans out in the wild like that, you want to clean them really good or else you're going to attract all kinds of shit. Oh, that makes sense. Whenever yeah. we go camping and we clean our shit off in the river. Because you, I mean, any kind of wildlife that, you know, smells any food. Bears, I mean, we know how they act. So he was soaking in the serene sounds of the water and just, you know, enjoying the moment. And then he suddenly got this feeling that he was being watched. Then he heard a loud splash right behind him. Oh my God. This spooks him because, you know, the one, this creek is so loud that you can barely hear your own thoughts over it. But whatever hit the water was loud enough that it distracted him from cleaning for a second. And he was like, oh shit. He looked around, but all he could see were the other two guys up the hill working on their campsite. There was no evidence of anything else around him, so he just brushes it off. He grabs his pans and he heads back to the campsite. The three broke out the guitar and booze and they cooked up some snacks and they were enjoying the starry night. And after they finished cooking, Rodney took his pans back down to the creek. He needed to clean them out to make sure that no unwanted wildlife would creep up on them. Since the men were enjoying themselves, did a quick rinse, he left them there and then came back. They continued to cut up their drinking, singing, their eating, and then out of nowhere, an enormous boulder-sized rock is chucked at them from the trees. It landed just inches away from them. And so Rodney gets up and he inspects the rock and he tries to move it. And the other two guys kind of try to help him, but it's way too heavy for one man, let alone three men to move. They're tilting it over to the side and they notice that the rock on the bottom side underneath is covered with dirt. Like it had just been pulled up out of the earth before being hurled at them. Damn. That's that's alarming. It's like Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. (laughs) He's out there playing dodgeball. Damn it. He was trying to have a good time and y'all didn't want to play. Immediately after realizing this, they all three at the same time heard a massive splash in the creek, another boulder. This time it was launched over them and landed in the creek. So whatever threw this was big. And these dudes went from party mode to shit your pants mode in like a matter of seconds. Same. (laughs) Right. Regardless of if there was anyone else out there or not, whatever was chucking massive rocks at them had to be stronger than all three combined because they couldn't even move that first rock. The dudes are, what the kids say, shooketh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm shooketh just hearing the story. I know. And they're thinking, you know, maybe camping in a dense remote forest wasn't the best idea when all you've got is an old machete. Old trusty. (laughs) Or old rusty. I don't know. (laughs) 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 As the night became darker and visibility became less and less, they started hearing all kinds of noises. And it started off with like small grunts and growling sounds, which... Rodney figured, okay, it's it's probably just a buck. Occasionally, you would hear stories of bears around there, but they're not super common in this area. Then they begin to hear loud bangs. He described it as somebody smacking a tree with a baseball bat. Very distinct sound. And Rodney thought, okay, well, maybe it is a buck, and maybe this buck is just knocking against the trees with its antlers but he was not even convincing himself with that idea and in that moment he was really wishing that he had brought a firearm i never want to be in that position the men begin to yell out who's there and what do you want in the direction of these sounds to which they received no reply because they're in the middle of nowhere instead they started hearing deep guttural growling even then these men tried and tried just brushing it off telling themselves it's just wildlife it's just wildlife it's nothing And it wasn't until they started hearing trees break and limbs snapping 
heavy footsteps headed in their direction. Oh my God. That's when Rodney was like, whatever is taunting them was not a four-legged animal. He very distinctly heard the sound of something walking on two legs with a heavy footfall, not like your that a four-legged creature would do, right? So that in and of itself is terrifying when you're able to tell that whatever this is is on two legs Mm -hmm. and it's not human. It's a goddamn Yeti. (laughs) (laughs) Yeti, 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 Yeti. The growling increased and then it went from a low growl and became more of a yell, but not a human-like yell, some beastly type yell that he's never heard before. And so he's waving his flashlight through the trees and his eyes are shifting back and forth between dense trees and trying to find any sign of light. And in the moonlight, he sees a large dark outline of a human-like figure but it was far too tall and far too broad to be human. So he's sweeping his flashlight side to side and he can see the large figure beginning to intentionally dodge the beam. So whatever that is, is trying not to be seen. Oh, wow. That's big and fast. <laughs> and it's taunting the shit out of you. Seemingly angered, the creature begins to chuck large cedar limbs directly at Rodney and the other men, who've been absolutely no help this entire time. So what's the deal with it wanting to throw shit at everybody? <laughs> it's just, it's just slinging shit around. Just tormenting them, I guess. Or try, maybe trying to scare them off because they're in its territory. Right. And, you know, if you think about it, like, they're trying to scare it off, too by hollering at it and stuff and telling it to go away. So maybe that's how Bigfoot felt. They describe the limbs that are being chucked at them as being too big to be launched by a normal human, which leaves them absolutely terrified. Rodney turns to the two men and he's like, boys, I don't think we're dealing with a buck. I think we're dealing with Bigfoot. How do you brace yourself to tell that to somebody? (laughs) Maybe it was the bourbon. I would want to laugh, but if I was there and that was happening to me, I don't know what I would think. I I would would shit myself. I might get an autograph first. (laughs) (laughs) But can you sign this real quick? Even if it was a bear, I would be shitting my pants because you just don't know what a wild animal is going to do. Instead of running for the hills like they should have, the men stayed sheltered in place because with all the growling and the yelling, they were concerned that there were multiples of whatever was out there. Right. They decide that they'll take shifts. You know, one person will stay awake. The other two will sleep and watch over the campsite. Well, Rodney takes the first shift. And when the sound subsides, Rodney decides he's going to drift off to sleep. This was a mistake. Rodney is woken by the sound of the pots and pans clanking down the hill by the stream. Oh, Bigfoot's cooking for them. You are the meal. Um <laughs> <laughs> Rodney, he hears this and remember the babbling creek is so loud. He hears these pots and pans banging over that. So he immediately goes into panic mode. Whatever is messing around down by the water's edge is aggressive and large. He decides to walk down to the water. He's shining his flashlight and then he sees a massive, wide, hairy backside of what he believes is the Bigfoot rifling through his dirty pants. That was me. <laughs> no, sir, that wasn't Bigfoot. That was Ashley. Hairy, dirty backside. <laughs> he's frozen in fear because whatever he's looking at was in no way, shape, or form normal wildlife or human. And he explains that there's no way in hell that it would fit through a door frame. 
He could only describe it as having the appearance of the mythical missing link. Like, how do you just take that to the grave? <laughs> yeah, well, he didn't. He told his story. My brain would be like, do not compute what you I saw. I would believe you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You can come that. on the pod and, and tell everybody about it, and we would all believe you. That is so welcoming. We're This is such a welcoming podcast. We do not discriminate. Recognizing Rodney's presence, the beast stands, chucks the pans, and lets out the most menacing and terrifying growl. (laughs) I was hoping you would. (laughs) Nobody doesn't like you, dude, girl. Rodney shines his light directly in the face of the beast and screams, leave. He had no doubt now with its face directly in the beam of light. He was definitely staring into the eyes of Bigfoot. He said he's never seen a face like the one that was in the, the light of his flashlight. Too bad he didn't catch that on camera. You know, know. he just has that in his memories now. I bet it'll never leave his memory. No, it'll scar the shit out of somebody. He catches the beast off guard with his light and it flashes a grimace, like almost intentionally it grimaced at him. He's ready to run. Rodney hollers for the others to help, but they refuse to come out of their tents. Like again, shelter in place, leaving Rodney to deal with Bigfoot. And he keeps trying to yell at it and scare it off. It must have worked because it retreats, but when it does, it lets out a very large, frustrated vocalization. And it's grunting and it continues its menacing growls as it moves up the hill very fast. Once it makes it to the ridge overlooking the campsite, it continues to let out extremely loud vocalizations. <laughs> That's uh, actual audio. This is the moment where Rodney thought it was retreating and there were maybe going to be okay because this thing is retreating he stops and he goes oh shit well did he just call his buddies like it's in that moment that he starts hearing sounds all around him frustrated loud angry vocalizations like a pack of bigfoots that's what he's scared of oh god yeah but thankfully the sound dies off so it was likely just echoing from from the ridge And when it dies off, he sits down by the fire and he waits for it to get completely quiet again. Once the forest is quiet again, normal sounds, crickets, nightlife, he decides to try and sleep again. Like, how in the fuck is this? I wouldn't sleep for a week. Hell no. I would have been up all night long clutching that rusty machete sitting by the fire. When Rodney woke in the morning... He woke to the sound of the two men packing up and hightailing out. Yeah, I'd be like, were... y'all move over. I'm coming too. <laughs> he, they had every intention of just leaving him and not saying goodbye. Screw you. Nice knowing you. Nothing. I mean, again, he met them on the internet, so whatever. But first sign of daylight, and they're like, and Rodney gets it. <laughs> I get it too. Yeah, he's, he's like, <laughs> he believes the two men probably kept this encounter to themselves, being businessmen with a reputation likely to uphold, but he didn't feel that way about himself. He couldn't see them, you know, sitting around the water cooler on Monday being like, hey, y'all, we had this round in with Bigfoot this weekend. Let me tell you, you know, <laughs> he had a hard time himself sharing this. You know, he was worried about what others would think. They call him crazy. I mean, he even thought he was crazy. He never believed that something like this could happen to him, but he knows he saw it. And he's so convinced that he saw it. Now he can never stop looking for the truth. He can't unsee what he saw that night in the light of his flashlight. This is just going to consume him until he finds out the truth or dies trying. Bigfoot Sasquatch lives in Red River Gorge. Got it. Not going there. Okay. 
though i have been there i want to go <laughs> i have camped there yeah damn being face to face with bigfoot i don't know i think i would not live to tell the tale no i think i would die dead right there in the moment just <laughs> yes, i from... died today I... yeah <laughs> well, i'm sorry i can't go to the island of the dolls i i died today um after my encounter with bigfoot <laughs> We are taking a turn. It's not as fun as the Bigfoot. My next Kentucky Fried Tale is not only interesting, but it's an incredible tragedy. I'm going to tell you all about Miss Leah Smock, also known as the Battletown Witch. Oh. So this story originates in a small area right outside Brandenburg in Meade County, Kentucky. The area is known as Battletown. Okay. You know where that's at? Yeah, it's not far from you, I don't think. Nope, super close. Well, Meade County is um, very close to Mammoth Cave areas. So okay, there you go. So for more than 180 years, the citizens of Battletown have claimed to have seen a beautiful apparition in the woods. She has been seen next to a grave, enveloped in a purple glow, and dressed in a white robe. Well, that sounds beautiful. I know, right? Enchanting. Her I black... was enchanted. Sorry. <laughs> I don't listen to anything except Taylor Swift these days, and I'm not afraid to admit it. Her black hair flows around her as if it were blown by the wind. This is the ghost of Leah Smock. So let's talk about Leah. Leah was not lucky in 1840s Kentucky. She was a double threat. Uh-oh. She was both very intelligent and very beautiful. That's a problem. Threatened both men and women alike. Yep. She was hungry for knowledge and ended up finishing school early because there was nothing left for her teacher to tell her that she didn't already know. I love a learning woman. I do too. She decided to immerse herself in the knowledge of the nature around her and use the earth as her teacher. Isn't that sweet? That's so beautiful. She became friends with the Cherokee that still remained in the area and became close with a Native American that went by Joe. Joe gifted her a walking stick that had a serpent coming out of the top. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I love the friendship, but you can keep the serpent staff. I mean, it could raise some eyebrows, but who cares, right? Mine are up. <laughs> <laughs> she was eager to learn about herbs and plants around her, especially okay. the ones that had healing agents to help others. I can empathize there. Right. So her mother, Margaret, had the same interests and was also known as a healing woman. But in some circles, there were whispers that Margaret may have been a witch. I, I literally was about to say, oh, what? They think she was a witch. So funny because it's like, oh, you healed me and my family. You're a witch. Like you would think, hey, I'll keep on the D like you're a witch. You know, cool. I don't care. Just nope. keep healing people. You know, like, if it ain't fuck? Jesus, I don't want it. <laughs> Leah along with her father, mother, and two siblings, moved to Meade County when she was 19. Okay. As soon as they arrived, it was very apparent that Leah was special and very intelligent. Not only did she possess book smarts, but she also had the gift of predicting future events that would come true with incredible accuracy. <laughs> Leah, Damn. I know you smart girl, but read the room. Know the times. Yeah. I know you read up on the Salem Witch Trials. If you that smart, I know you read up on that shit. Yeah. If you think about it, it was just a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. Leah, she would predict the weather. Predicting the weather could be helpful and non-threatening, right? Mm -hmm. Well, she had more to say. Like, Leah, 
shut the fuck up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Leah would also contradict doctors on their patient's diagnosis Uh and would be able to predict who would live or die. So we're no longer predicting weather. We're predicting people's lives here. That's a red flag. As Shrek would say, let's go before they light the torches. (laughs) (laughs) Valid. Yeah. With these life and death accurate predictions, people began to fear her and even ridicule her. I get the fear, but bitch, she can tell you when you're going to die. Yeah. Don't ridicule this woman. Or she can heal you. You know, she's multifaceted here. She's not murdering people and sacrificing things. She just likes plants. That's right. With her (laughs) knowledge of herbs and plants, she was incredibly helpful to farmers and their crops. She was also able to help those with livestock. She would inform them that even if they removed certain weeds around water sources, cows could still die because of the poisonous roots that were still touching the water. That's so smart. She's so smart. She can make their crops grow like no other, right? And it's also known that if you mistreated Leah in any way, she could cause your crops to spoil. Oh, that's because she's not going to give you any pointers anymore. You that's went from right. the top of the list to the bottom of the list. Shanna Ms. Witch. Le- Miss Leah's got boundaries. Yeah, hard boundaries. So just respect. <laughs> she's just saying, be grateful, damn it. Just from reading about Miss Leah, it seems like she might be a Leo. <laughs> mm, I can see that. I adore Leos, but let's think about this. She's a 19-year-old showstopper. She's smart and wants everyone to know she possesses powers And if you fuck around, you will find out. Yep. Plus, everyone knows about her, also known as popular in some aspect. Leo, fun, sassy, right? There's no shame in that. No. I mean, they're loyal, they're helpful, they're strong, but the minute that they don't feel reciprocated, yes, my husband's they just a Leo, can't keep so. their mouth shut. So, <laughs> well, two years after the Smock family moved to Mead County, Leah's popularity, or I guess I should say infamy, grew, and the rumors of her being a witch started to spiral out of control. And as rumors do, they evolve from person to person with a newly added twist told with each whisper. Here are a few. In late August, Leah was accused of touching a horse that she wasn't allowed to pet, which resulted in its death. Oh, for crying out loud. (laughs) First of all, why was she not allowed to touch it? Who said? Probably the horse. horse's owner. So next, apparently Leah wanted to hold a newborn baby, but the mother wouldn't allow it. And the baby also died the next day. There are not enough side eyes for that one. So the rumor claims that she told the mother, you'll be sorry in the morning. That's a little dramatic. Yeah. What are the chances she actually said that? It's hard to believe. And she liked to instigate shit with her knowledge and her powers. Also, what year is this? Like 1840? With the mortality rate of infants in 1840. Let's be logical. No, 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 no. Leah looked at it. And that has to be the most logical reason for why it passed away. It's definitely because she's a witch. It is also said that one night she visited the home of the deceased infant and filled the house with sounds of howling dogs, meowing cats, and other strange noises. When the parents looked out of their window, they said that Leah was just standing outside in the dark, staring (laughs) at the house. (laughs) You know, you know, Leah, I would be really upset if that were true. Here I am. I'm defending you. Don't be weird. <laughs> the father led Leah home. Kudos to you, sir. Because if this is true, there's no way in hell 
I would have gone outside and led that girl home. I would have lived with those animal sounds in my house. It's creepy as hell. (laughs) Of course, these people are the ones telling this story. So you just don't know what to believe. So he says when he led Leah away, the animal sounds disappeared. I mean, maybe she's a damn good ventriloquist. Could be. Throwing voices and shit. She's probably like... I don't know, but there are other stories about Leah, and they consist of undoing people's hard work, withering crops, burning houses or barns, even how she was involved with the disappearance of two boys. Need more deets on that one. Apparently, the two boys, they were found safe. The boys explained that they ridiculed Leah for being a witch, and then she made her animal friends chase them away. Boo fucking who? Don't make fun of Leah. do the same shit (laughs) sick them she sounds like a bad bitch with an awesome sense of humor Mm -hmm. well sadly the people of battletown did not see her that way and they took matters into their own disgusting hands i know where this is headed on the morning of august 21st 1840 leah's family left for the town of staples which would be a day of travel by wagon After the parents had been gone for a while, the neighbors crept out of their hiding places around the smock house, and men and women both attacked Leah. They hogtied her with ropes around her neck, waist, wrists, and feet. They took her tied body to the smoke house and locked her in. (gasps) Oh my god. Then the assholes set fire to the smoke house and watched as she screamed inside. When they were sure that she had perished, they left. <laughs> A plague on all your houses. Exactly. You're all human so, trash. Her poor parents returned home to find her remains. At this time, she was 22, right? She moved mm-hmm. there when she was 19. Her loved ones, including Joe, her Native American friend that made her that staff, they prepared a casket for Leah and had a small funeral service. It's truly heartbreaking. Her casket was buried on the smock property in what would become as Betsy Daly Cemetery. But Leah wasn't going to let them have the last laugh. Only a few days after her burial, her spirit was seen in the woods. It spooked the neighbors so much that they decided to cover the grave again with stones. I mean, I guess to prevent her from rising out of the grave yeah. <laughs> doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, I mean, if no. it's her spirit, it's her spirit. not going to stop it. Right. But still, her spirit can be spotted from time to time with ropes around her neck, waist, and wrist surrounded by purple fog. Wow. So she's like hogtied in the afterlife. Yeah. So what do y'all think? Was Leah a witch or was she just a strong personality that liked to instigate the witch rumors? Either way, she was a young woman of 22 who was murdered by her neighbors because they were threatened by her intelligence and her strength. So the town of Brandenburg holds an annual festival in Leah's memory called the Battletown Witch Festival. On their website, battletownwitch.com, they have written, The idea of the festival came about by wanting to celebrate a life that ended in tragedy. We hope that by taking a day to celebrate folklore, herbalism, native healing techniques, and Kentucky spiritualism, we will help Leah rest a little easier. I love that so much. This year, the festival will take place on October 28th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Mead Olin Park. 
Isn't that precious? They got food trucks out there and everything. Progressing a little more. (laughs) Preserving her legend and her tale. That's awesome because, you know, any logical person could look at that scenario and just be like, what? So you're just mad that she was like a herbologist? Yeah, and she was confident. She knew what she had. She knew she was a bad bitch. And the only thing that went against her was the fact that she couldn't keep her mouth shut. She Mm -hmm. wanted to tell everybody, like, I'm a bad bitch. Look what I can do. And people didn't like it. They were threatened. And they killed her. That's insane. Like most, quote unquote, witches, unfortunately, they all met a pretty sad demise. You know, she was one of the few that were burned. I think most of, like, the Salem witch trials, they were either hung or stoned to death. Yes. My understanding is that burning at the stake was not something that was here. Here, we just hung our witches. We stoned them. In some cases, they would drown them. You know, they would tie blocks to their feet. And if they floated, they were a witch. If they sank, they were not. And guess what happened? 10 out of 10 times. They always died. Think about all the things she could have done, like to help humanity. I mean, her potential. But because small-minded people were threatened, they fucking blew her light out. That is sad. That's a sad story. I would love to see that purple fog, though. (laughs) Oh, me too. I would, you know, I wouldn't be spooked by that. I would give her a hug. Well, that was a really good story, though, and it's very interesting. But I think it's important to keep telling those types of stories. Oh, 100%. So that people really understand just how serious it was that you could not be a smart vocal woman and it's not that fucking long ago not that long ago and it's not that long ago that things changed right when people think about witch trials they think of what the 1600s 1700s in new england but shit this is in kentucky in the 1800s well i think these were all pretty entertaining stories we hope you guys think they were too because it was a lot of fun to look up these as always follow us on the graham cracker (laughs) the graham cracker (laughs) Instagram <laughs> at Hex Girlfriends Podcast. We now have a Facebook page, Hex Girlfriends Podcast. Yeah, go follow us on there too. And again, I will beg and plead until the day somebody writes a damn story. We want to know the strange, the unusual, the fucked up. If you've got a meat shower story, don't hold back. All about you. I mean, wherever yeah. you're from in the world, email us at hexgirlfriendspodcast at gmail.com. I think I hear the owl hooting. We gotta go. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>